0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Hope Through Grief. I'm one of your co-hosts, Steve Smelski, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Marshall Adler.
1: Hello, everybody. I'd like to thank you all for listening to what will be an extremely interesting episode today.
0: As Marshall just alluded to, we've got a a guest speaker today. His name is uh, Pastor Harvey Carpenter. He's the Associate Pastor for Care and Outreach at Journey Christian Church in Apopka, Florida. Harvey, welcome today.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's a joy to be here, and I'm looking forward
0: to spending some time with uh, both of you today. So maybe you could tell us, as the Associate Pastor for Care and Outreach at Journey, what are are your uh, responsibilities for the church?
2: Well, my primary role uh, falls into the area of caring for people's needs, and so— when someone has a family member that needs visitation, let's say in the hospital or perhaps with hospice, uh, maybe maybe even a funeral, uh, even a wedding sometimes, then I'm the guy that gets called to go and, and spend time with the family and uh, share with them and ex- extend some compassion and, and hope and, and, and prayer usually. So that's my role primarily.
0: So we were talking a little bit before we started the show and you've told us that you have a uh, journey of grief that you've been on. Would you mind sharing that with us? Sure, I'd be happy to. In 2002, my mother
2: passed at a relatively young age. She was only 58 years old, and she, uh, she suffered from a, a rather long sickness, cancer sickness, breast cancer that ended up going into her bones and into her brain. And it was a, a rather difficult time, and so we watched her deteriorate over that period of time and that was very hard, as you might imagine. Uh, she was vibrant, she was upbeat she was uh, she was a go getter she was a uh, she was a brilliant lady, really a principal at a school for mentally and physically handicapped children, and uh, became nationally known uh, because of the programming and the work that she did there. The parents loved her because she was done doing such good work for their children, and she just gave her life to that. And um, I think perhaps that's where I get some of my empathy for other people is through uh, my mother as well. And but she struggled for four years, and then um, then she passed. And the whole family was gathered around her bedside when she did uh, pass away, and that was uh, that was good for us to be there to be able to say goodbye and to spend those last moments with her uh, i don't know that it makes the grieving any easier but it certainly makes the regret less and so we spent that time with with her there uh, and as she passed she was a compassionate soul and uh, really really do miss her the grief that followed of course was was challenging uh, there were difficult days there were uh, periods of time when I felt a little emotionally overwhelmed and maybe even somewhat disconnected, uh, from myself or even from life. But, uh, I didn't, I don't think I grieved deeply, uh, over time. It about six years later when, uh, God called me into another role at the church, that's, I think, I started doing a lot of funerals that I really started connecting with the grief that I had over my mother. And so, um, so that's, that's God's role for me right now. Interestingly enough, my mother was one of six children. She came from a rather large family, in, from a poor family, really. And so her oldest sister was the last to pass just a number of years ago. She, uh, and she called me before she passed, and she told me she was with hospice. And she said, Harvey, I wanted to let you know that the time is coming for me, and um, I'm going to be seeing your mother soon. And wow, what a, what a revelation that was. It's not the kind of call you ex- expect to receive. And she said to me, is there anything you'd like for me to tell your mother when I see her? And I'm like, wow, now that's, that, now that's a unique conversation to have with someone, isn't it? So I thought it through and I said, yeah, uh, you see my mother in the next few weeks or in a month or so. Uh, tell her that I'm doing well and that she'd be proud of me. So then yeah, my aunt did pass. And uh I expected that they had a conversation, and that bring me that brought me some joy, gave me some hope, knowing that that I had a way of being able to share that moment, that message, my love with my mother all those years later. So yeah, so that's kind of my journey of grief. yeah, it was uh yeah, it was a very strange feeling, but yeah it's it was kind of like that, absolutely. Um, did you struggle with your
0: grief? After her passing, or did you begin to grieve before?
2: Well, immediately when she passed, I certainly felt the loss and the grief and the sadness that goes along with that. I mean, I think everyone experiences something like that unless they go into denial, which some people certainly do. Uh, You know, we live in a culture that wants to ignore death. They want to deny death. And so for some people, that means let me put my grief in my back pocket. Let me do whatever I can to pretend like things are normal. I wouldn't say that I did that, but at the same time I wouldn't say that I grieved well. My mother was the first person close to me to pass away, so I, I didn't understand grief then. I didn't I didn't know how to grieve and I didn't realize the importance of grieving and now I do. Grieving is a, an important part of our emotional health. And until we learn to grieve well, until we give ourselves to the process, uh, I think it can be very challenging and difficult following the death of a loved one. And so it was a number of years later after I began to understand and, and interact with a lot of people who are going through loss and experiencing sorrow and mourning and, and grief to a deep degree that I reconnected with the grief that I, um, that I should have pursued a little bit more with my mother. And it gave me a new insight and helped me to understand the value of grief. And so I think it's it's a privilege for me then to be able to to pour into the lives of people and who are hurting and, and help them grieve in ways that are productive and useful and ultimately healing.
0: Grief is a long journey. You told us something unique. Did you actually do your mom's service?
2: I did not do her service. Um, one of my best friends, actually, I asked him to do the service. Even though I'm a pastor and I often speak in front of folks, um, it's challenging to do uh, a service like that for someone you, you, you love dearly. And I was afraid that the emotion of it would be too much for me. Certainly I had plenty to say, but I didn't think I'd be able to, to emotionally handle that weight. And so I, I did it, obviously, uh, attend her funeral with my family. And it was at the church where I was serving at the time. And um, it was uh, it was well attended, of course. She was well loved. And I don't ever regret that I didn't speak at her funeral. Some people have asked me that in the past. You know, do you wish you had had, had spoken? And I don't. I, I, I really uh, was able to grieve rather than... T- think about what I was going to say or be at work, so to speak. I was able to just grieve. And that was important for me and my family at that time. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was actually at the church that you were a pastor at? It
2: was at the church that I pastored at the time. I was associate pastor. And interestingly enough, we had just built a brand new large facility. And um, we had just announced the grand opening, in fact. And she passed a week before. The grand opening, and so, as it turns out, her service was on the Friday prior to the Sunday that the church was actually going to open for the first time to the community, the, the new facility anyway. And um, I always remember that as a as her service being the first gathering of people in the church building here, and it uh, it brings me joy to know that they came to honor her life as
0: well. Yeah, uh, that's a great story. Is that hard for you now? knowing that you had the service there and you're actually a pastor there.
2: No, it's not that difficult for me now. I take uh, I take joy in knowing that uh, her service was there and even in my mind I can occasionally I'll reflect or uh, picture the service and how it unfolded and where people were and just have those memories. And so the memories actually are precious to me. It's it's not a it's not a memory of Uh, That saddens me at all. But the memory of just having her service there brings joy to me. And um, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So you've been talking with us a little bit before we got on the episode today, and you actually have a rather unique tie to grief.
2: Well, I do. If, if you're referring to the, my role as a pastor in the funerals that I do, yes, yes. God has led me into a unique role, and I'm one of the few pastors that I know are, that are called to do as many funerals as, as I'm called to do. Over the last 12 years, I've done more than 1,500 funerals. And that's not something I ever set out to do. It's not like you, you know, growing up, you say, I want to be a guy who who does funerals for everybody because it's a a heavy role and it's it's dealing with a lot of grief. But some doors have opened up and opportunities presented themselves. And um, funeral directors kept calling and I kept saying yes. And so – after 12 years the number of funerals uh, is, has increased to over 1500 and gives me a unique perspective on grief doesn't it and it, it certainly has put me in a in a role to to be able to help a lot of families along the way and it's a role that i have uh, cherished and in many ways it reminds me of my mother who her role was to be compassionate to people and to help people. And I suppose I inherited some of that from her as well. I find great joy in helping people through difficult times. And so uh, God's honored me with that. And I get to
0: do that for a living. Very interesting. I I don't think I'd ever met anybody before that had done that money. But I do want to go ahead and say Shelley and I had actually met you in the same situation and you actually did Jordan's funeral for us.
2: That's true. The first time we met was when we uh, sat down to talk about uh, Jordan and his life, and um, I met you and your wife and some other family members, and we had the chance to discuss Jordan, and he told me all about who he was. and. What a great uh, child he was and how much he was deeply loved by you and Shelley. And then, um, then a few days later, we did the the service for him. And I'm going to tell you, I've done, an, as I've mentioned, a lot of funerals. And that's one of the services that really sticks out in my mind for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the, uh, the friendship that developed, uh, with you and Shelley following that. Um, that's been a great joy in my life. And I thank you for that. I wish it had come about in a different way. I think we both would agree on that. But it's it's been a joy. But the other thing that really causes me to remember Jordan's service was the fact that um, it might have been the first time I was asked to read sort of a a, a, a eulogy that was written by the person themselves. Uh, I remember Jordan had an assignment in school where the teacher asked them to um to write about themselves, and he did. So we read that at service and wow, that was impactful. And the thing that really stands out to me too was the teacher who actually had made that assignment (laughs) was there at the service. And uh, nobody could have described Jordan's life better than he did himself. And what a a great uh, opportunity that was to just uh, let people hear Jordan's own words. So that really stands out to me. But there's a lot of other funerals that stand out as well. I recall... Uh, one young gal who passed on unexpectedly on Thanksgiving Day a number of years ago. And her parents did something very unique. Um, The funeral was here at the church. It was a large gathering of people. And people grieve in different ways. You know, a lot of young people were here because she was young and it was a tragic accident. And um, her parents uh, uh, chose a light gray colored casket. And then they asked people to take permanent markers in various colors, bright colors, red and green and blue, things that you could see that stand out. And uh, with the casket closed, uh, all of her friends and many others as well, family members, friends of friends, came down and they, they wrote messages. Uh, they expressed their love. They expressed their grief. They were able to, to put into words actually on her casket you know, how they felt about her and some of them wrote prayers, um, some of them wrote scriptures, uh, various things. And I can just in my mind, I can see that casket just completely covered with um, those writings of those people. And it was what a unique way to let people express their grief and their love for someone to, to, to write a message in in permanent ink on the place where that person will 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 remain for a long time. And I thought that was unique. That really stands out in my mind as um, a funeral I'll never forget. But there are others as well. I remember uh, a young father whose wife passed a MRSA infection, and it was unexpected and quick. And the entire service, I don't think anybody expected this, but he stayed at the casket, hunched over, weeping and sobbing for the entire service. And um, what an impact that was for everybody who attended. And I remember at the end of the service, just when you thought maybe he was ready to, to get up and move on, he took out his cell phone and he played the song that meant so much to the two of them. And he just uh, he played the whole song and he and everybody just sat there and cried and wept. And it was, it was just a very heavy moment of grief when you just see a man sobbing. And um, you know, what do you say at a time like that? You don't you don't say anything. you just grieve and sob with them. That's all you can do. So those are a couple of the services uh, that just really stick out in my mind, but I'm sure there are many more as well.
1: Let me ask you this. Um, I think you know this I'm a, I'm a lawyer, and what I do is workers' compensation. So a lot of the things I do are dealing with medical doctors and I remember, talking to a friend of mine who was a brain surgeon and very nice, very nice person, but an excellent surgeon. And he told me something that might seem strange, but I'm going to ask you this question. He told me when he had to save somebody's life by going literally into their brain and cutting out a malignant brain tumor, he almost had to have a detached objectivity because his job was to go in and save this person's life the best he could by doing the surgery that was needed. With you, with so many funerals, you must have some way to be objective and a little bit detached because doing as many funerals as you did, if you got personally involved in every single one, it must have been a huge burden on you. Am I correct? I mean, that must be a very tough balancing act for you to do to be you're obviously a kind compassionate wonderful person and a great pastor but also you are there to do a job and so let me ask you how do you do that how do you keep the compassion and humanity that's needed when somebody's grieving to help them but also to keep the objectivity because you are there to do a job that needs to be done
2: yeah, that's a that's a great question, Marshall. People ask me that a lot. Um, you know how do you, how do you do that? And there is there is a a term called uh, compassion fatigue, right? Where people just get fatigued from having to express so much compassion and empathy for folks. And there's a balance, as you mentioned, that has to be struck there by me, and walk a fine line between being detached and Thinking of this as just a role that I've been called to, versus really ministering to folks. And so, you know, I try to really minister to folks to, to the extent that I can. Fortunately for me, uh, most of the folks that I'm called to serve, um, I don't I don't know personally. Some I do, but the vast majority are people that I've never met and it's good and i relish the opportunity to to serve them and it's it's good that they're reaching out to, you know to to a pastor for help at a time like this they certainly uh, sense the need for it. That's why they're, they're calling and, and, and it's why they feel like, uh, you know, that they want a pastor there. So there's a ministry to be um, be had there. That's, that's wonderful. But people will ask me, is it easier for you to to, to do a service, uh, officiate a, a, a memorial or a funeral service for someone you know or someone you don't know? And the honest answer is it's easier from an emotional perspective for someone I don't know because there's not as much emotional attachment. If I know the person, somebody maybe from the church where I serve, or a family member, or somebody in the community that I know, a longtime friend, perhaps it's much more challenging because there's that emotional component, and you want to make sure that you know that uh, that you don't uh, get too emotionally involved. It, while you're trying to uh, conduct a, a service. And so, um, it's, it's, it's much more challenging that way. But yeah, there's a balance that has to be struck. I won't say it's easy. And I have found myself, I'll be honest with you on a couple of occasions with people I don't know sitting in a service and a story is told and I get emotional. I think that's just part of the territory. And it maybe that comes with a compassionate heart to some degree. But I think the other part of the answer to your question, and I think this is the real answer is, God has given me a capacity to be able to do this beyond my normal talent or skill would normally, you know, be, I think this is really a gift that, that, that God's given me. And, and so perhaps I'm able to bear a little more than most people. And it's something that, uh, you know, he's put up on my heart to do. And, um, and I keep getting uh, uh, people referred to me. And so it, it tells me that, you know, There's an opportunity here to to touch lives, and that's really what I want to do. So if that means there's a little bit of uh, uh, emotional uh, baggage or fatigue that goes with it, so be it. That's what I'm called to do. So, yeah, it's not an easy thing, really.
1: It's great that you realize you have this special gift and you're willing to help others with it. That speaks volumes about your compassion. That's wonderful. Well, thank you very much.
0: Harvey. One of the questions I had was when you get a call, you reach out to them, you meet with them before the service usually. Do you say different things to different families? Is it a case by case? Because I remember when we met you, we said hello and we handed you a picture of Jordan. And the first thing you said to me was, tell me about Jordan. You had us at that moment because that's all we wanted to do was make sure you knew who he was.
2: Yeah, the most important thing for me is to know uh, a little bit about the life of the person, because that's what matters. I mean, the details of the service, the flow of the service, the particulars of, you know, what's going to happen in terms of making the service, you know, work. That you can that can come later, but uh, helping people share what's really the most important thing in their life, and that is their loved one at that time that's passed away. I want to hear their emotion. I want to hear their words. I want to hear them talk about that loved one. It not only helps me, but I think it helps them as well as they begin to uh, process the grief that uh, is, is, is there and and ironically, people want to talk about their loved ones. That's, that's the big misnomer that people have is I don't want to bring up a loved one because it's going to cause some pain in the person's life. And that's really, that's really, it may cause some pain, but it's pain that they want to feel because that's what grief is. It's, it's a painfulness that is, is sweet in some ways because it's a memory of something that you deeply, deeply love. And want to keep with you forever. So you want to talk about that. They want to they want to highlight, you know, their loved one and what they accomplished and what their passions were and, you know, how they conducted their life and what the legacy that has been left is all about. And so I typically try to to get people to talk initially about their loved one and then we save the details for later. But one of the things that I think is important for people to know is where I'm coming from as a pastor and what my perspective is and what I want to accomplish, what I think I, we, we all want to really accomplish uh, with, with the service, um, whether it's a funeral or memorial service, whether it's a chapel service or a gravesite service, whatever the case may be. I tell folks, listen, one of the things that we'd, I'd like for us to do is honor your loved one at the service so what that means is we want to take an opportunity to share those those wonderful memories those positive memories we want to tell stories of love and joy we want to talk about the passions that they had in life we want to honor your loved one that's what we're here to do is to is to honor them to have those those memories that make us you know just smile and then i say to them but the second thing we'd like to do is comfort the loved ones so people are coming and they're looking for a word of comfort People need to know that there's comfort that exists that can that can help them and that can soothe them and that can, you know, bring healing and and hope to a broken heart. And so I tell them that we want to uh, we want to we want to provide some comfort. For me, that comfort usually comes through the sharing of Scripture because I believe one of the things that God does best is He comforts us. And so you know I'll share a passage that that just talks about the comfort of God and the presence of God and the goodness of God. Like Psalm 46 is God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. That's a powerful reminder that in the midst of your sorrow and grief and your pain and your mourning, that God is present. And not only is he present, but he cares. And so that's a comforting thing for people to be reminded of. I suppose the most comforting of passage of all, is Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. And he talks about how he walks with us through the valleys of grief and pain. And he's there in the midst of us. And when it says there, I walk through the valley, I'm always reminded it doesn't say I run through the valley. We walk because we know God is with us and he's walking beside us every step of the way. And it's always good to know that he's there. So the goal is to bring comfort. And then finally, I want to point people in the right direction. People are looking for hope. People are uh, realize life is fragile. It can be short, and um, they're looking for hope. And so we want to point people in the right direction. We want to talk about what's important in life. Family is important, of course. Friends are important, and faith is important. In the end, that's really all that matters. Family, friends, and faith, that's all you have. And so uh, I talk about the importance of uh, giving people uh you know, hope and pointing him in the right direction and making that which is a priority in your life, your priority, living in such a way that you bring honor and and glory to your loved one. That's the best legacy you can live. Live your life in a way that they would be appreciative of it. So those are the three things I really try to tell families when I talk to them initially, you know, talk about their loved one, get them to share that story with me. And then, we talk a little bit about the service and how that's going to flow and what's important to them. And do they want to include music? Do they want to have scripture? Do they want prayers? Do they, who do they want to give the eulogy? Um, Do they have other family members who want to say some things? So all of that has to be uh, set up and then, um, then we do the service. So that's how it usually happens.
0: Marshall, did you have a uh, question on, I think we were talking earlier between the different religions and and different things for comparison.
1: Right. Uh, Mr. Harvey, you know, uh, I met you through Grief Share and you know that uh, I'm Jewish and uh, growing up Jewish, I've learned the Jewish religion has certain procedures dealing with grief. And one of the tenets is to help have the community help somebody who lost a loved one. It's called sitting Shiva. When somebody loses a loved one, the community rallies around the family, taking over the house, taking, bringing food in, taking care of all the family members. And it's really a wonderful thing to see people rallying around you when you most need people. My question to you is of twofold. Um, Again, I've been to many funerals of Jewish friends, I've been to many funerals of Christian friends, and I've noticed a lot of similarities between a Jewish and a Christian funeral service. I see the same thing with family and friends railing around, which is great. So my question is twofold, is, do you see any distinction between Judaism and Christianity with that? But also, as we're taping this, I guess that's old way to say taping, as, as we're doing this on the computer digitally, Somebody might be listening to this 50 years from now. We're we're doing this in 2020 during the middle of a worldwide COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic where for centuries, the way that the Jewish and Christian religions have been dealing with grief is to get people together, get people hugging, get people as far. The antithesis of social distancing is a sitting shiva situation or a funeral situation. So my question is now, again, how does the Christian religion have similarities or differences with the Jewish religion, but also how are you dealing with the fact that everything we're being told to keep us safe now with the COVID-19 coronavirus is at odds with what people have done for thousands of years helping loved ones go through grief? So it's a twofold question.
2: Yeah, that that uh, that's we're in a unique time for sure. That's that's true. Well, the, the reality is, um, I often get asked to speak at uh, funerals for Jewish folks. I mean, that's not an uncommon thing. And the reality is that Christianity and Judaism um, both share common scriptures. You know, so you've got the the Hebrew scriptures and you've got the the New Covenant, as it were, and. I often use, even for a Christian family, the Old Covenant, the Hebrew Scriptures. And there's so many good texts there that uh, remind us of God's presence and God's comfort and God's goodness. And I mean, I'm mean, i just reminded of Psalm 34, you know, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I tell folks, you may feel overwhelmed today. You may feel as though you're crushed by your emotions, but the promise is that God is with you. And that he saves. And of course, if it's a, a family that puts their hope in Christ as their Christian family, I would say the, re- the resurrection of Jesus is what gives us hope today. And, and so, uh, but there are so many common teachings and common language that can be used between uh, a Jewish or a Christian uh, service that, you know, that they're, they're in many ways very similar, very similar. And in terms of practice, uh, again, I mean, you go all the way back to the scriptures. Jesus was a Jew. I mean, and you see him attending funerals and, you know, at the funeral of of Lazarus, you know, he was mourning with the mourners there. He, He went to express his love and concern and be with Mary and Martha at Lazarus's funeral and Those were Lazarus's sisters. And and it says there, the shortest verse in in the scriptures is that Jesus wept. His compassion was overflowing. And so, you know, when we think about uh, uh, grieving, we think about, I mean, there's a common denominator in grief, no matter what your religion. Whether you're Jewish or Christian or Buddhist or whatever it might be. I mean, weeping and gnashing of teeth and doing the kinds of things that express grief physically. That's a commonality between them all. If you go back a little further into ancient times, and I'm not sure whether or not this is still a practice in Judaism, but I mean, people used to grieve outwardly and physically. I mean, they would, they would rip their clothes. They would put ashes on their head. They would, they would isolate themselves for a certain amount of time. There would be a period of mourning. You don't see that as much today in, in our Western culture, at least. Mourning doesn't unfold in that way. Grief doesn't seem to take that path. It's it's almost almost always seems like it's back to business as usual, you know, after a service. And people don't take time to grieve like they used to. So I think that's one of the one of the beauties of the Jewish religion as I see it. If you look back into the old testament, there were some practices there that I think we would all be better served by if we were to adopt them and, and grieve in those ways. I, I really do, But I because I think there's a lot of wisdom and value in, in that. And that's why you can read the Psalms, and it's just full of passages about God's presence and overcoming difficult times, whatever they may be. As far as today's uh, situation with COVID, I've done a number of services where we've had to have social distancing. And I'm going to tell you, it's an odd thing where people can't get together. And naturally, they want to be close to one another and they want to be, uh, you know, hugging and weeping and wiping away the tears. And when that's not, uh, you know, it almost comes second nature to folks. Uh, but when that's when you're prevented from doing that, it it seems strange. It seems uh, out of the normal uh, flow of how you would normally grieve. And so I think, though, there will come a time where we get through that. People go right back to to grieving and and, and, and being close. I think families may uh, may ignore some of the, the social distancing simply because they're family. You know, they feel much more comfortable around one another. But when you start bringing strangers or extended family or guests into the mix, yeah, it does make for a unique environment, especially now that we're all you know, practicing social distancing and wearing masks and things like that. it's, It's very different. So how it has effect on grief, I don't know, probably doesn't have a very good effect on grief because I think one of the things that helps people have hope for the future is knowing that they're loved and cared for and that almost always takes personal human touch. And so we're lacking some of that right now. The social distancing that's happening and the isolation that's happening is contributing to, I think, more emotional and relational dysfunction right now through COVID. So uh, hopefully we'll come to a time when this whole period is you know, over soon. Let's, that's our prayer, at least,
0: for sure. Do you have any of the families reach out to you after the service recently in the last few months where they're struggling because of the situation?
2: No, I haven't had any families reach out and and mention anything about struggling because of COVID or anything like that. It's not uncommon, though, for families to reach out afterwards um, to inquire about maybe a next step for their family or for them personally with their grief. And oftentimes that next step, uh, at least for me, would be to suggest to them a support group. And the support groups uh, that I'm familiar with, there's one called Grief Share that we have at our church. And we recommend people uh, who are looking for help through their grief, uh, join that group. And um, we've been doing it for a number of years, have uh, great leaders, and uh, many people have gone through it. And um, most express it to me and to others that it's very helpful. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's designed to be discussion-oriented. Uh, people come together. They share their stories. They share their grief. They remind one another that they can get through this and they can cope even in the midst of the pain. And so uh I'll often recommend that when people follow up with me. Sometimes if they're asking specifically for a therapist or a counselor, we have partners that we work with at church that we can recommend. And sometimes we do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes people just ask, you know, about the church and how to get more involved. And there's an enlightening that happens to them at the death of a loved one where they start thinking about eternity. They start thinking about their own passing and the importance of life and they want to make some changes. And so that sometimes that's a discussion that takes place. And, um, you know, that's uh, and I think that's a good thing. That's again, goes back to what I said before about pointing people in the right direction. Um, just helping remind just helping remind people that there's more beyond this life. And when you begin to grasp that there's more than what we just see day to day, um, it it starts to open up some things in some people's minds. I'll give you an illustration. there's a a monument in Spain that's a monument to Christopher Columbus. and it's well known. you could you can look it up. it uh, and at the bottom of the monument, it says no plus ultra, which means no more beyond, meaning that this is all there is. There's no more beyond. This is it. But what Columbus discovered was that, in fact, there is more beyond. He was an explorer, as you know. And so at the base of this monument is, um, is a lion. And the lion is reaching out with its paw, and it's striking away the word no, so now the monument reads, more beyond. And what a great reminder that sometimes we have blinders on, that this is all there is, this world that we live in, because it's all we see. But as great explorers have revealed, there's, there's much more out of sight than there is just around us. And there's more beyond this life. And I try to give people hope that what you see and experience every day that's just a small, tiny part of the reality that actually exists. And I think it gives them hope, not only for themselves, but even for their loved one that's passed on. And um, so, yeah, yeah.
1: That's so important because Steve and I have talked so many times that obviously the name of the show is Hope Through Grief. And we all know that grief is directly related to the amount of love you have for your lost loved ones. So the more you love, the more you're gonna grieve. And Steve and I, you know, we both lost sons and it's something that we know we will be on this grief journey for the rest of our lives. But we also know that life's for the living and we have to do everything we can to live our lives as a tribute to our lost loved ones. And part of that is to have hope for the future, to have hope to try to help people. So obviously what you're doing is incredibly important because you are giving people hope literally through grief at their time of need. So, you know, I've known you personally as a very wonderful, caring person, but hearing you talk professionally as a pastor, it's obviously you're very good at what you do and you're helping a lot of people that are going through grief and Lord knows we are in a time in history where there will be an enormous amount of grief. Why? Because we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So I think doing what you're doing is literally something that could be saving so many people. It's, it's a wonderful thing to hear.
2: Well, thank you, Marshall. I, I certainly consider it a privilege to, to do that and also to be able to share what God's doing uh, through me and through Journey uh, with you all and hopefully with many other people through this podcast. And so yeah, I just consider it a privilege. And you're right. Um, hope in the midst of grief is really what it's all about. And hope what keeps us going day to day, uh, just realizing that um, you know life can get better, even though there's going to continue to be pain and we'll have to cope with uh, sadness and heartbreak, uh, but we can still be productive, we can still move forward, we can still impact those around us. we can still make a difference and I think I think what gives people hope in the midst of all the sorrow and sadness is knowing that they 're loved. I think that's important. People need to realize that they 're loved and um, loved by their family, loved by their friends, you know, loved by God. Uh, love is so important. People need to remember that. Even when you feel that you're not loved, actually you are. And um, people need to accept that. And I think that gives people hope. The other thing is, as we mentioned before, hope comes from realizing that there's more beyond just this life. I mean, it, and and when we begin to let that sink in, um, it opens up windows of opportunity for, for not only uh, this life but we even start thinking about the life to come and so that I think gives people a, a lot of hope and then I think another thing that gives people hope is understanding that God is ultimately in control there's so little in this life that we can actually control that that God is ultimately in control and when we're willing to give up you know control to him and trust in him and realize that uh, he's good that that brings us some hope. You know, I think that brings hope. And I'm just reminded, you know, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says in, in God's presence, this is Revelation chapter 21, that in God's presence, there's no more pain or sorrow or heartbreak or sin that says all things have been made brand new. And isn't that the hope that we really ultimately look for is that God's going to kind of remake this world and, and, and that there's something better coming, you know? Jesus says, I've gone and prepared a place for you so that, you know, I can I'll come and get you and take you to be with me. We look forward to God making things right in our deep in our souls. That's what we want to happen. And it gives us hope, believing that it will. It doesn't make grief any easier, but it does give us hope to keep going
0: on. So, yeah, those are some some of my thoughts about hope right there. Thank you for sharing that with us today. I think a lot of us struggle with the death of a loved one to the point where you wonder, why did it happen to my loved one? Why did it happen to us? What would you encourage them? How would you look at that? And how would you encourage them to look at it a little bit differently?
2: Yeah, I, I, I hear that a lot. People like to ask that question, Why? I mean, that is the question, isn't it, that we want to know when a loved one passes on, whether it's from a you know, tragic, unexpected accident or whether they suffered for a long time. We want to know why, because it seems so unfair. You know, if God's loving and God is good, why did he let this happen? So we want to know why, because we want to believe in our hearts that there's, there must be a good reason <laughs> that God allowed this to happen. So we want to know why. But the reality is, and we find this from the book of Job out of the Old Testament, is that, that question is an unanswerable question for us. We're never going to f- understand or know the question, the answer to the question why. God doesn't reveal that to us. I mean, we wish that he would. Of course, I would love to know, you know why certain people have passed on you know, before their time. That's the kind of information, it seems, that's only reserved for God. And maybe there are good reasons that we don't understand as to why. But the fact of the matter is we just don't have the answers. And to speculate is maybe not a good thing. Speculation tends to go the wrong way. And so uh, people often ask that. Question, Stephen, and, and I, of course I refuse to answer the question because I don't know the answer. And I encourage them not to answer. To, I encourage them not to seek the answer to that question because that that'll that'll drive you mad over time. As as the answer continues to change, as you uh, as you grow in your grief and as you learn to cope with the new reality, that answer will tend to change. And so now you're questioning yourself, and you're questioning the answer. You're ultimately questioning. God, I mean, it it doesn't lead to a good place. I think the best thing to do instead of ask why is just trust and hope that put hope in that God is good and that ultimately he will work everything out. And that's really all you can do is just trust in him. That's 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 my answer to, you know, people who ask the question why.
0: And it's not to say that he can't make something good come out of it, which I've seen myself.
2: Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Uh, oftentimes he does. God takes our mess and makes a masterpiece on many occasions. He takes the the, the worst uh, situations, the most tragic circumstances, the, the deepest pain in our life, and he'll often take that hurt or that weakness or and he'll, he'll turn it into something that's a strength. He'll turn it into something that's a, that's a, that's a powerful tool to be used in various ways to help so many other people. And that's, that is, that's kind of the ironic thing about pain is that pain, as much as we dislike it, is very useful. I mean, without pain, there would be all kinds of problems in life. Pain is a, is a marker that teaches us, a, things and let's let's not kid ourselves grief is painful mourning is painful deep sorrow hurts like nobody's business but that doesn't mean that god can't take our pain and transform it into a powerful force in not only our lives but in the lives of other people he's he's good at transforming things and um, when we cooperate with that transformation Good things can come of it, just like this podcast and then many other endeavors that we could probably mention as well.
0: Thank you for your insight and your thoughts and your stories. I've enjoyed them over the six years that I've gotten to know you. Marshall, did you have any last questions?
1: Just again, thank you so much. Again, I, I'm glad we this opportunity because I met you through Grief Share and That was sort of a slice, and today I saw the bigger pie of your personality, which is great to see because you're obviously caring, loving, compassionate human being, and doing what you do is wonderful, and obviously you have the skill set and the personality and the intellectual, I'm not not just talking about IQ-wise, but EQ, emotional quotient, you can be a very intelligent person, but not be empathetic, caring, emotionally open. And obviously you are. So this was a pleasure and a privilege to talk to you today, seeing the whole pie instead of just a piece.
2: Well, likewise, um, you guys are doing a wonderful service to so many people around the world who are hurting and just need that loving guidance and care. And and so I thank you for the opportunity to, to share with you today and, pray for great success for both of you may you be blessed and and may god uh, continue to walk with you
0: thank you very much you said you got a grief share coming up what is the start date for that so grief share
2: starts on august the 3rd which is a monday it will be presented online this time due to the circumstances with covid so uh, yeah so in fact no matter where you are in the world if uh, you wanted to join in on monday nights Um, You could certainly do that. You just uh, go to the Journey Christian Church website and um, you can register there. And we'd love to have you as a part of uh, our Grief Share
0: uh, group. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. And that's all I have for today on the questions. I think you more than covered what I had,
1: Marshall. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. And we can't uh, thank you enough for the wonderful work you're doing.
2: Well, thank you so much. It's been a it's been a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, maybe sometime in the future coming back and sharing with you some
0: more. Thank you, Pastor Harvey, and that'll wrap up our uh, show today with Pastor Harvey Carpenter, associate pastor at Journey Christian Church in Apopka, Florida. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of Hope Through Grief. Thank you for joining us on Hope Through Grief with your co-hosts. Marshall Adler and Steve Smilski.
1: We hope our episode today was helpful and informative. Since we are not medical or mental health professionals, we cannot and will not provide any medical, psychological or mental health advice. Therefore, if you or anyone you know requires medical or mental health treatment, please contact a medical or mental health professional immediately.